You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Restored, where we're taking a look at what happens when the kingdom comes close. Something I did forget, uh, I apologize, talking about Mission 2015. Uh, there are prayer cards somewhere around you or on the uh, information table as you head back out into the cafe. We encourage you and we, we ask you to pray for uh, uh, what's going to happen with us, how God's going to lead us with, uh, with uh, uh, serving people into the kingdom uh, next year. So please grab that and, and take that home and, and, and pray for that. So, all right, uh, those of you that are new, we, we do, I, I do try and get some, uh, get, get some crowd participation here. Sometimes it works, sometimes, you know, Somebody takes liberty uh, and, and, and everything. But I think I've got a safe question uh, today, safe question, at least safer than the redneck thing last week. But uh, um, why, why, why is this season, like, like Thanksgiving into Christmas, even in the New Year's, why is this season so hopeful? Why is it so hopeful for, for people? Vacation days. There we go. Yeah, uh, it's coming from a teacher. Yeah, coming from somebody in the school district. Like vacation days. Like in the next month, I work about three days. Yes. <laughs> snow days. Snow days. Yeah, praying for snow. Praying for snow. Presents. Presents. We're hopeful for presents. Paul's just a big kid. Good food. Right. Yes. Good. Good food. Right, Kent. Right, Kent. Always. That's right. Good answer. Much better than Jack's answer. <laughs> Why are we hopeful during this season? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, right. Thank you, Mr. Sunday School answer. Jesus. Family. 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 Oh, Hallmark commercial. Hallmark Yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. So sweet. So, but you know, starting with Thanksgiving, like, like we 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 have things to be thankful for. It's the one day out of the year that we remember. We have things to be thankful for, right? All the other days of the year, we you know we're cussing at people, cutting us off in traffic, you know. Uh, and then, and then we go into rolling into Christmas season, you know. And once we get through Black Friday and and and, and everything, we, we we get excited because the the anticipation, the hope, you know, kids and, and gleaming and and you know, eleven months of the year we don't want to give anything, but then you know, one month we're like, yeah, it's cute to cute to give people stuff, you know. And then we go into the New Year's, and we're hopeful for a clean slate, right? We're hopeful for something so totally brand new. And then what happens? February, right? February happens. And, and you get on the scale, and it says the same or worse, right? Yeah, yeah, right? And, 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 and you start to lose hope, or, or, or the, 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 the family isn't any better, you know? Or, you know, the money isn't any better, or, or the marriage isn't any better. And February happens, and it's just another year with these resolutions or wanting a clean slate, but... It doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen. And it leaves us without hope that the next year will be any different. We're in this series. We're actually concluding this series called uh, uh, Restored. 
Some of you are like, wait a minute, I, you invited me because this is a brand new building thing and you're closing a series? This is like asking me to f- watch this series finale. Well, I apologize. We were actually supposed to open this in September on the series start, but that's a separate thing, but, by, by, the, by the way. But, but, but we're closing out this series called Restored, where we're taking a look at the miracles of Jesus, where we've said the kingdom has come close. What happens when the kingdom comes close? And Jesus started doing miracles to show that the kingdom came close, but he did did more than to restore physical life, hand, feet, eyes. He did more in those miracles uh, than restore physical life. He restored life, something deeper, something inside, something that we cannot do ourselves. He restored. And we've been taking a look at those. You can go back to our podcast on, on, online, cpf.me forward slash listen, and you can, you can uh, get those if you want and download that through, the, through, a, through a streaming app. But uh, uh, we've, we've taken a look at that, and today we're taking a look at restored hope. Restored hope. Hope simply is the certainty that, that your future is going to be better than your past or your present. That's what hope is, that you look to your past and look at your present, but you say, my future is going to be better than either one of those. That gives us hope. That gives us hope to keep going. But the opposite of that is that the certainty, the future will not be better. The certainty will actually be worse. That we look at our past and we look at our present and we say, man, my future sure isn't going to be any better. That is Broken hope, that's despair. And it leads to a disillusionment. That leads to skepticism. And it leads to being being cynical about life. We're going to take a look at a story in Mark chapter 5 with a guy who was living in despair. A guy who had broken hope, who had no hope. Who had run out of hope. But we're also going to see how Jesus restored that hope. Mark chapter 5, of course, you can open a hardbound Bible. We're going to throw the the verses up on the screen. But we also invite you to actually download the Bible app on your smartphone or tablet. Our our passcode here at Crosspoint is here to serve, all one word, here to serve, H-E-R-E, that's sort of here, not here, okay? To, T-O, not to, serve. If you don't know how to spell that, then... You just can't get on our Wi-Fi. Sorry. <laughs> Download the Bible app. We have an event right there in the Bible app. You can follow along on the verses there. You can, you can take notes right in the Bible app. You can email yourself the notes. You can email your notes to Evernote if you know what Evernote is and you have an Evernote account. Uh, you can, you can put, post straight to, for, to Twitter or Facebook from, from the event. We encourage you to post on Facebook You know what God is saying to you and sharing with you. We encourage that. But Mark chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on shore. And those of you that are new are like, wait a minute, we're picking this up in the middle of a story, so let's go back a little bit. Uh, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 1, is the, if you've been around church, is the, is the story about the guy with, with the legion of demons that Jesus cast those into a bunch of pigs, 2,000 pigs, that's a bunch, and, and those pigs jumped off a cliff, that's $60,000 jumping off a cliff, not to mention a buttload of bacon and ham. Oh, and I, oh, Jesus. Now, the Jews didn't care, but, but the townspeople, they were Gentiles, so they cared about that. They said, Jesus, you've got to go away. 
So, 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 Sea of Galilee, little oval sea there in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, uh, Judea uh, area. They, they went from Capernaum, uh, northwest side of the sea, down to, which I'm pointing northwest according to me, this would be northwest according to you, down to the southeast side, which is the Decapolis, the, the, the Gentile region, did the whole legion, legion of, 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 of uh, uh, demons thing, and, and, and then they said, go back, and he went back. Capernaum was Jesus. Uh, a, a home base of ministry. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth, but Capernaum, as an adult, was his home base of ministry. This is where he did the majority of his ministry. This is where he retreated back to when he left an area. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. The local synagogue. Jesus, no doubt, went to this synagogue. Jesus probably taught in this synagogue. In fact, Capernaum, the reason why Jesus made Capernaum his home base of ministry is because this is far away from Jerusalem, the religious hotbed of activity where he was a controversial figure at. Capernaum, he wasn't a controversial figure. In fact, people kind of kind of sort of liked him. I mean, the crowd came around him here in Capernaum. And so th there's probably a large uh, chance that actually Jairus and Jesus were friends. There's a pretty good chance that, that Jesus has had dinner at Jairus' house. When he saw Jesus, when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Now, if Jesus has had dinner at Jairus' house, guess who Jesus has probably had on his lap? This little girl. And Mark kind of gets to the point in a story. We don't know all the, all, the, all the other conversation that occurred, but I could imagine, I could imagine if Jairus and Jesus were friends, that Jairus told Jesus, hey, Jesus, Jesus, my little girl, the girl that this week you had on your lap, she's sick. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Remember, last week, last week we saw that the, this word for crowd was, is throng. Now, that R is important, remember. You know, the crowd was thronging around him, not thonging around him. We said last week, that's probably a wedgie. They weren't doing that to Jesus. They were all crowding around him. Now, think, now think. Imagine, you know, college football or college basketball upset, people swarming the field, people swarming the court. That is a thronging. That's a throng. People all around Jesus. And now we get to the point of the story where we looked last week at the lady that was, that, was, that was bleeding. That was bleeding from the lady spot for 12 years. 12 year period. And she came up behind him and, and, and touched his, his, the hem of his robe. And she was instantly healed. And he stopped and, and, and got her out of the crowd and said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is where we pick the story back up. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher anymore. Everything is hopeless. The girl is dead. Go let the teacher go heal somebody else. It's hopeless. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes for a moment. You went to get the one guy, the one guy who could do something. And some lady 
who'd been sick for 12 years, she's not dying, stops him. You want to be upset? How dare that lady? And maybe he's upset at Jesus. How dare Jesus? Jesus, she was healed. Leave her alone. Let's go. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Now, anybody saying this to you just after you heard your daughter died, them are fighting words, right? That's not grammatically correct. We're in Republic. You know what I'm talking about. Them are fighting words. Your daughter just died. Your son just died. And, and somebody comes up and goes, don't be afraid. Just believe. Anybody but Jesus, the gloves are off and you're going. But Jesus overheard, or then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He stopped the throng and said, you stay here. Nine disciples, you stay here. You three you, dad, servant, let's go. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. You're like, Jesus, isn't this insensitive? See, in this day, what would happen is when somebody died, professional mourners would come to the, come to the house, come to the funeral, and, 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 and just weep and wail, but they weren't really grieving. It was really, the louder they were, the more impressive it was. It was fake. And Jesus hated fake. And he had a way. He had a way to be able to expose fakeness without really calling it out. The crowd laughed at him. The crowd laughed at him. Now again, again, somebody shows up at a funeral. Somebody shows up at a funeral. Uncle, Uncle Harry's funeral. And says a nice little joke about something Uncle Harry did. In your grieving, you chuckle, right? But if somebody comes in and insults Uncle Harry, again, them are fighting words. The gloves come off. If these people were really grieving, they wouldn't laugh. They would get mad. If Jesus just had insulted them, they wouldn't laugh. They would get mad. Instead, what they did, they laughed at him. This isn't a chuckle laugh. This is a, you are a moron laugh. <laughs> You're a moron, Jesus. Like, she's not dead. What, she's not asleep. She's dead. What, what are you talking about? If they were really grieving. See, Jesus points out hypocrisy without, without really pointing it out. He reveals it in people. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her head, hand. He said to her, Talithia Kaum, which means little girl, get up. I heard another pastor preach on this just recently and said, said you know what? This is actually a very common, very common saying in that day to, to rise kids from bed. This is probably something that she heard when she was asleep quite often. 
And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. Like, Mark has to tell us she's 12. You know, like, 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 she's not six months. Like, we don't have a double miracle going on. She isn't coming back from the dead and walking around as a six-month-old. And they're going, oh, she's six months and she's walking. No, she's 12. Like, Mark just had to throw that detail in there. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And that's the understatement of the century. Oh, they were totally amazed. People were probably fainting. Ah, poof. Freaking out. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. Excuse me? Hey, hey, you know this, this, this girl living from the dead thing? Shh. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. It's on Vine already, bro. Put it on Facebook. Like, it's already out there. Like, sorry. And he told them to give her something to eat, which is an interesting statement here, and we'll get back to that. But we see in this story, broken hope, despair, and Jesus, and Jesus restoring hope. Let's start with broken hope. Because we've got to recognize brokenness before we want to be restored. Broken hope. See, broken hope happens to everybody. Nobody is immune to broken hope. See, Jarius, he was, he was a synagogue leader. He was a religious leader in that town. He would have been one of the most, if not the most, respected people in that town. Everybody came to him with questions because he had the answers. He would be, if he weren't rich, he would be above the normal line as far as finances. But here he didn't have the answers. He was without hope. He didn't know what was happening. And some of you this morning, if you're just entering back into church, or if you're in church for the first time, you kind of look at Christians. This may be part of the problem with, with church and Christians. You, you may look at Christians and go, look, 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 look. You guys are sappy. Like, I've heard some of your songs and watched some of your movies. Like, life doesn't look like that. I say I agree with you. I don't watch our movies either. I'm sorry, but I don't. See, I think, I think, side note, this is free, I think that Hunger Games is actually a better depiction of biblical living inside of the worst circumstances possible than some of our movies. It's a side note, something to chew on. But basically to say, if you're a non-fan of Jesus, if you're just coming back into this thing, I get, I get it. I get you. Because we act like we never have broken hope. And when we do that, it leads to living a life of false hope or fake hope. See, like these people that were mourning and grieving and, and just being more and more and more intense about their grieving to outdo the next person. That's what Facebook is for us Christians. Having a fake hope lived out online in order to look more impressive than the next person. And the fact that we live in the Bible Belt and in suburbia of the Bible Belt makes it worse. Because we're supposed to have this pretty life and we're supposed to wake up and come to church and everything's supposed to be awesome. And we end up living a fake hope. And those of you that are non-fans are like, yeah, and it's disgusting. And I would agree. I would agree. 
cross point. Cross point, the people. See, this is just a shell. The people. What we want to be is a place that you can go, hey, look, my hope is broken. But see, this isn't a Pollyanna type of thing where we ignore reality. We're not ignoring reality. We just aren't a slave to reality. We don't ignore reality. We just aren't a slave to reality. Jesus didn't ignore reality. You're like, wait a minute. He called her asleep. No, 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 no. He just knew what he was going to do. He didn't ignore reality. He wasn't a slave to reality. And he still isn't a slave to reality. Because when we live in a fake hope, the next thing is guaranteed to happen. When hope shows up, we'll laugh. When hope shows up, we'll just laugh. <laughs> now live paycheck to paycheck? That's funny. <laughs> My family can get better? <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Marriage? There's hope for my marriage? You're a moron. I can get out of my addiction? <laughs> I've tried every patch imaginable. It's not possible. When we live in fake hope, we laugh when hope shows up. When hope showed up in the form of Jesus, those living in fake hope laughed at him laughed at him. And then what happens next? You don't get to see a miracle. Your finances don't get better. Your family don't get better. Your marriage don't get better. Your addiction don't get better. Well, maybe it does get better in that sort of way. You don't get to see a miracle. And again, we look at broken hope because unless we feel in our soul that we've got to overcome this, we'll never, never, never reach out. We'll never, ever, ever search for true hope. Because Jesus brought hope in this story, right? Jesus brought hope. But, 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 it started. It started at his Jairus, a man, probably used to people coming to his feet. People coming to him and saying, I'm out of hope. I don't have any answers. Will you help me? He came to the feet of Jesus and bowed down to Jesus, showing complete and utter surrender, complete and utter I'm out of hope, complete and utter I don't know what to do here. Started at the feet of Jesus. And something I try to pray for each and every week is that you get the chance to come to the feet of Jesus because that's where restored hope starts. And those of you just coming back for the first time or just coming back for, for, for a long time, my prayer is that you get the chance to be at the feet of Jesus the first time in a long time. And that you can get a glimpse of the hope that is possible. Because if you get a glimpse of the hope that is possible, you will run and bow yourself down at the feet of Jesus.
But see, it doesn't end at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't end at the feet of Jesus. See, for Jairus, things got worse. The girl died. The girl died. She was sick when he came to Jesus. She died in the middle of this story. What happens when it gets worse? What happens when you, when, you, when you get to the feet of Jesus and it gets worse and people start laughing because you're living in hope? What happens? What did Jairus do? He heard Jesus. Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. He heard Jesus. And then what did he do? He followed Jesus to the house. He followed Jesus to the house. When things got worse, he followed Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, 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 I, look, it's over. It's over. You can, you can go on. He didn't say that. He kept following Jesus. When people laughed, he didn't stop Jesus and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know what? They're, they're right. This is crazy. He kept following Jesus into the room. When life is dead, hear and follow Jesus. When life is dead, hear and follow Jesus. You're like, that's too simple of an answer. It is. Except for the fact that when things looked the worst for Jesus... He resurrected from the dead. And he told his boys, I'm the resurrection and I am the life. Because when things look dead, that's when I give life. If I can resurrect my own life, I can resurrect yours. I just have a tendency to follow a guy who can raise himself from the dead. If he can do that, what else can he do? And I have a tendency to just simply hear and follow a guy that not only raised himself from the dead, but he also predicted that he was going to raise himself from the dead. And predicted that he was going to raise a girl from the dead. She's only asleep. See, I have a tendency to follow a guy who controls the future. Who controls the future. Why follow anything else? Does the addiction control the future? Do those broken relationships, do they control the future? Do they control the future? Jesus alone controls the future. Why follow anybody except the one who controls the future? Hear and follow. See, the thing about the, the miracle stuff is that all people had to do was show up with some sort of hear and follow faith. It didn't have to be very strong faith. 
See, the lady last week, she didn't have enough faith to come public. She just had enough faith to touch his garment. Just enough faith to hear and follow and walk and follow him. See, it has to last beyond that moment. See, we've got to feed the hope. I read that last sentence when I was studying weeks ago. Then he told them to give her something to eat. I'm like, that's interesting. That's a fascinating statement to add that in there. Hey, 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 hey. Why don't you give her something to eat? And I was thinking about that, and I was like, why on earth, why on earth did you make sure that was in there? Why on earth did you add, give her something to eat? And I started, I, I, I had the thought dawn on me. If they didn't feed her, what would happen? She would die again. Kind of defeat the point of the miracle, right? Like, just give her something to eat so she doesn't die again. I don't have to do this all over again. And I, 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 I really kind of fought against this because it almost seems like hyper-spiritualizing this, but, but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Like, we've got to feed the hope or it'll die again. See, as Christians, we, 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 we base ourselves off of like one spiritual moment and then think that's going to ride us through life. We've got to feed the hope. See, if we want a better family, we've got to feed the hope. Fellas, we can't get home from work and go to our man cave and stay there. I told Scott yesterday, look, 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 she has to love you right now. But what you do right now determines if she loves you at 13. You've got to feed the hope. It doesn't just happen. If you don't like your marriage, you've got to feed the hope. Now, in that statement, in that sentence, the P is very important there, all right? I just insulted somebody if you don't add the P. Got to feed the hope, all right? Please, please. Yeah, if you've lost that, you're like, what did he just say? Did he just say feed? No, I didn't. I said feed the hope. If you don't like your marriage, you've got to feed the got to feed him. If you don't like your addiction, if you don't like the, the withdrawal, you've got to feed the hope of getting out of the addiction. If you don't like your financial situation, you've got to feed the hope of getting out of your financial situation. This is where it becomes personal for us. 2006, February of 2006, we were, we were driving in the car. We were tired of credit card debt. We were tired of student loan debt. We were tired of living paycheck to paycheck. And we said, enough is enough. We got to get out. We made the decision right then to sell our house, to pay off credit card debt or some of it. Since then, since then, we went into church planting. Pay cut. We went and tried to plant a church that failed. Pay cut. 
18 months, nothing. Still, still trying to work ourselves out of this. But we paid off two cars, paid off every credit card debt, and hasn't, haven't added to it. How? We have fed the hope. We have, uh, we have read Dave Ramsey multiple times. We've led classes. Nicole, when she runs, my wife, when she runs, she listens to the Dave Ramsey podcast. Why? Feed the hope. You can't just sit back and think it's going to come. See, we as Christians, we spiritualize it. Oh, if I want to get out of debt, I just pray. And, and, and guess what? There'll be a paycheck. There'll be a check in our mailbox for the exact amount of money that we need to pay off debt. Go ahead. Pray for that. But work like it's not going to show up. Feed the hope. God's given us a brain. God's given us a body. God's given us the ability to do stuff. Feed the hope. And it starts with God's word. Feed the hope. And it starts with coming to his feet daily and saying, I need hope. And it starts with, with finding a community of people that allow you to be broken but refuse to let you stay that way to heal you and to restore the hope inside of you. That's why we have small groups, disciple-making relationships. You've got to feed the hope. And those of you that are hearing and following Jesus and you say, yeah, things aren't perfect, but this is, this is the direction I am going. You, 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 all of us have as a responsibility, a God-ordained responsibility to feed the hope hungry. To feed the hope starving. To feed the hope malnutritioned. Because we have a hope epidemic in our country. Watch the 6 o'clock and the 6.30 and the 7 o'clock. And the, it seems like there's news all the time now. And we scroll news on our news. That's all skepticism and cynical. Why? Because we have zero hope. That won't work. Yeah, well, got a guy, got a guy elected eight years ago, didn't it? I am not saying whether he did or he didn't, but that's what got him elected. We're the only ones that have true hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. There's no other hope besides in Him. If we hear and follow Him in any area of our life, He will certainly make our future better. And those of us who, who say we have the Holy Spirit living in us because we trust Him, we have to feed the hope hungry saying he died for you and he resurrected to, to, to forgive your sin, to, 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 to give you his righteousness so you, that you can live a life that looks like him. He did this so that we can have hope because without hope, we will not have faith. We will have faith in whatever we have hope in. And if it's the bottle... If we have hope in the bottle, that's where we're run to. 
If we have hope in our addiction, that's where we'll run to. If we have hope in an affair, that's where we'll run to. If we have hope in pornography, that's where we'll run to. If we have hope in Jesus, it's his feet that we run to. It's his feet. And he died so that we can sit there and say, I've run to all this stuff. He died so that that doesn't have to be our future. That doesn't have to be our future. To have hope. To have hope that our future can certainly be better than our past and our present. And that's the fisher of men, that we take that hope to people. That's why we go serve. So that we can give people hope. Hope that their future can be better than their past or their present. Now, hopefully, hopefully we give them laughable hope. You're you're nuts. But you know what? If we keep at it, if we keep at it, if we keep at it, guess what will happen? They'll get it. They'll understand that Jesus is the only one who can have hope to overcome their past and their present. Those of you that are, that are here, that came in and you're like, you know what, I'm more like the guy. Whatever, whatever situation you find yourself in, I'm more like the guy right now. Broken hope. We, we did this so that there's just more room for people to hear about hope. did this for you. This is a safe place, safe people to come and need hope. We're going to have people uh, uh, back in the back ready to talk with you, give you hope, give you an injection of hope to pray with you. I turn off my microphone. Nobody, nobody does, does, does anything on the screen. We do it in the back so that you go backwards and feel like nobody's staring at you. We want you to find hope this morning. And for those of you that, you know, obviously life's not perfect, but that's settled and you're hearing and following Jesus. You know, pray over what God kind of laid on your heart this morning that kind of hit you, but, but, but pray for God, who do you want me to give hope to? Who is it you want me to give hope to? And how do you want me to do that? See, I'm not, I'm not awesome at this. I get focused in on tax, tasks and buildings and all this and, 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 and fail to give people hope. I struggle with that daily. But asking God who and how you want me to give hope to. Because when we give hope, to people that Jesus is the only, the only hope of the world, people will start having faith in Him and they will start hearing and following Him and they will find the abundant life and the one who controls the future. And that's the one I've decided to hear and follow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. I thank You for the hope that You have given because you did live, because you did give miracles, because you did restore lives in the past, that we have hope that you can restore our life now. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, 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 continue 
to move in people's hearts and give them hope and allow this, this, this time that, that, that we can just bow at your knees, bow at your feet and, and, and worship you as the controller of the future, the only one who will give true hope. Be with us. Move us. Stir us so heavy that we have to respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. You can subscribe to our daily blog at cpf.me.